All right, so I'm just going to go ahead and apologize on behalf of the cricket. There's nothing I can do about it. My windows are shut. I've done all I can do. And I'm just going to have to embrace that. So I apologize. This is the Awkward Apocalypse, a deconstruction podcast that examines Christian culture against the authority of scripture. I'm Corey Kuhn, and today I want to talk about transgender issues. This is the catchy theme song. This is the catchy theme song. So before I get into this episode, I think it's important to point out that I am in no way an expert on this. My point in making this podcast is not to talk about the experience of what it's like to be a person who is transgender or to really speak into the specifics of a lot of these issues. I'm a big picture person. And so I really want to see this from the big picture. That is to say, I want to see this from a Christian perspective. I want to look at how it's handled and how we can do a better job. Because this is a deconstruction podcast. And as I deconstruct my Christian faith, I see a lot of things that I couldn't previously see. And one of them is just the amount of hatred that comes from the Christian community, specifically to the transgender community. That's something that I've really wrestled with as I sort of deconstruct what it means to be a Christian. Because for me, a lot of the hate is something that I just can't reconcile with the Jesus of scripture. But to some degree, I guess I can kind of see where it comes from. Okay, so bear with me for a moment on this illustration. Have you ever been watching a football game, for example, or really any sporting event, and you see the players on opposite teams get in a fight? Like during a soccer game, people from the opposing team get in a fight, or a football game, people start fighting, but you don't typically see people on the same team fight. And we're like that as humans. We want to belong to a particular side, and we tend to make the other side the enemy, even if it's something as stupid as a football game. We tend to see the other side as the enemy, no matter how insignificant that side might be. And then we tend to see people who are like us. If we're in college, it's people who are the same major as us, or maybe people who cheer for the same football team as us, or you know, whatever it is, we tend to see people who are on our side or on our team as the good guys, and the other people are the bad guys, even if it's something that isn't moral, like a football team. And I think what really lies at the heart of this is the gateway to hate. And the gateway to hate is, I believe, objectification. When you take another person and you see past their humanity and you see them as an object or as an identity outside of being a person. So rather than seeing a girl, I see a University of South Carolina fan and I'm a Clemson fan. So I begin to see her at least in some degree as an enemy. I put her into a category and it's easier to not see her personhood, even if it's just a little bit. Now you could take a more extreme example and look at something like war. When you really think about it, is there anything superior about fighting for a particular country? I mean, most soldiers in war probably believe that the side they are fighting for is the right side. Those are the good guys and the other side is the bad guys because we tend to have a bias for the team to which we belong and we see ourselves and our team as the good guys. And what that tends to do is it takes someone who is purely a person and it turns them into a concept. So rather than seeing a person, we see a soldier fighting for the other country. And then that person becomes easier to kill. We don't see a father, a brother, or a grade school teacher or anything like that. We see a person on the other side. And I think that is the gateway to hate. I think it's much easier to hate someone the less you acknowledge their humanity. And so when you really break down hate, especially in terms of insignificant things like football games, you really begin to see the absurdity. You really begin to see the self-deception that is required in order to truly hate someone else. 
And that deception is turning someone who is a person into a concept. Concepts are much easier to hate than people. That happens all the time in politics. There is so much hatred in politics. And I think really what's at the core of it is we boil people down to concepts, positions they take politically, people they voted for, beliefs that they hold. And then we identify those people with those beliefs or those positions and they cease to be people. Instead, they belong to a group. They belong to a concept. And then that concept is what we hate. Therefore, our hate is extended to the person. And that makes people way harder to love. It makes it far more likely that you are going to harbor anger and resentment rather than grace and compassion. I think that was really Jesus's message in the story of the Good Samaritan is he broke down those barriers that people had put in place, hatred simply because you belong to a different group of people and showed that there is a humanity behind it all. There is a love that can exist beyond the boundaries that we put between ourselves and people who belong to other groups. I think that this is very central to what it means to love your neighbor is to transcend that hatred, transcend the boundaries that we put between ourselves and others that keep us from loving our neighbor as we should. And I think that politics acts as the source for a lot of these boundaries and Christians are no exception to this. In fact, I think Christians are some of the ones who are most prone to this because what I'm talking about in this episode, I used to believe, and it's the way I used to act. Because when we talk about the issue of transgenderism, I used to belong to that category of conservative evangelical Christian. And I used to wake up every single morning and listen to the briefing, listen to Albert Moeller. And I probably did that pretty consistently for about a year or two. I mean, I took in a lot of those podcast episodes. And the reason I stopped listening to them is not because I began to disagree with him necessarily about like theological issues or political issues or anything like that. The reason I stopped listening to that podcast was because I found myself getting so angry all the time. I I was just filled with this like fury, this rage towards these concepts that he talked about, which was usually abortion, transgender, the agenda of the progressives or the liberals. And I began to realize that whenever I would encounter the people he was talking about, the first thing I felt was not love or compassion. I felt bitterness. I wanted to argue. I wanted to express the resentment that I was holding inside me for the way that they were destroying the fabrics of society and the way that they were uprooting biblical values and things like that. And and I guess I began to realize that that's not my function as a Christian. My function as a Christian is not to correct society. It's to be like Christ. And Christ was someone who commanded us to love our neighbor as ourself. And I wasn't able to do that. So for that reason, I stopped listening to that particular podcast. I I kind of got out of a lot of the conservative politics and I started looking more critically at what it means to be a Christian. And the more I looked at what it means to be a Christian, the more I distanced myself from conservative politics because a lot of conservative Christians see the transgender movement as kind of like an assault on the created order. God made male and female and to be a transgender person is to directly assault that created order and it's therefore sinful. They see it as a betrayal of the basic identity that God has given you. And rather than address that directly, there's something oddly hypocritical about that. And it's this. The third commandment is you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. And really, if you're a Christian, you have been given the identity of Christ. I mean, that's in the word Christian is Christ. You are given that identity. And so every moment of your life, you are living in light of that identity. 
And so any moment that you do not love the Lord with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, you are betraying the identity that God has given you as a Christian, as a disciple of Christ. And so I think Christians who are so critical of those who are transgender need to at least keep in mind that the identity that they have been given is something they betray all the time. Now, you might say it's not openly celebrated. And yeah, I get that. There's obviously differences there, but I I think that's interesting. I think that's at least worth noting. But I think I would also say that on the conservative side, there at least needs to be a common understanding in the division between those who identify as transgender and those who seek to enable the transgender community. I think that understanding at least needs to exist because if you're going to choose a target, if you have all this anger and this rage, I don't think the transgender community should be the target of your anger. If you believe that it is a lie and assault on the created order to be transgender, then I think it would make more sense to go after the people who are enabling this to happen and who are enacting laws to allow it and that sort of thing. Like Not the people who themselves are identifying as transgender. Like As a conservative Christian, wouldn't that make more sense? After all, that was Jesus's target when he talked about if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better to have a millstone fastened around your neck and be thrown into the water. His frustration wasn't really directed at those who were stumbling. His anger was directed at those who were causing them to stumble, the enablers. And so I think that distinction at least needs to exist. And the reason I say that is because within the transgender community, there is a lot of hurt and pain and exclusion and discrimination. And I just get so frustrated with the Christian community because whenever there's an oppressed group of people, conservative Christians just always seem like they're the first ones in line to continue perpetuating that oppression. And that's just so opposite from the gospel message. The gospel message was that Jesus came for the oppressed and the outcast in society. And it's hard for me to imagine a group who's more oppressed than those who identify as different genders. I mean, yes, in the culture, there is a movement to tolerate them and to accept them and to celebrate them. But there are also a lot of people who don't tolerate and accept them. And throughout their lives, I'm sure they have suffered a lot of discrimination, a lot of hateful words, and I'm sure they have a lot of times questioned their own existence. I mean, sure, they have support of the culture, but do they have support of their parents, of their best friends? Because if they don't, I would say there is still that oppression there. And so for Christians to openly mock and belittle these people is, I think, so unchristlike. And it just baffles me that they tried to free the slaves and it was the white Southern Christians who were ready to fight back with their theology. They tried to argue for civil rights and Christians were the first ones in line to try to keep things the way they were. They called it communism. They slandered the name of Martin Luther King Jr. They established their own Christian private schools so that they could continue segregation. They founded their own private neighborhood pools so that black people couldn't swim in them. And they did everything they could to fight against a movement that was just. And the point I'm trying to make through this is as Christians, we should at least pause and ask the question, are we doing good? I believe that the life of a Christian should be defined by this one word, love. And my question is, do you think the transgender community feels loved by the Christian community? And if the answer is no, then I think that needs to be the end of the questions right there. I think that is a sign that something is wrong because Jesus commands us to love our neighbor. And even if you consider them the enemy, Jesus commands you to love the enemy. And someone told me once that there was this rule in marriage that I wasn't allowed to tell my wife when she is and isn't loved by me. She has the right to tell me when she is and isn't loved because she's the one on the receiving end. I would say we need to ask the transgender community, 
Do you feel loved by the Christian community? I brace myself for that answer. Because if I were struggling with my gender identity, the evangelical church is the absolute last place I would go. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support the work that we do in Liberia, feel free to visit standingsidebyside.org. If you'd like to make a donation, there's a donation tab on the website. Or you can just Venmo at standing side by side. That's one word. If you love Jesus, but you feel very alone, feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to talk and I'd love to hear your story. Thank you so much for listening. Keep the faith.